when you terminate employees that are not performing or are not happy, it's actually pretty obvious to the rest of the organization. So there's not a ton of anxiety because people know, look, I'm a performer. That person was not. Yeah. I work my butt off. I know for a fact that person did not work at all. Usually the feedback you hear is, Nicholas, what took you so long? Well, what do you mean? Welcome to the Tech Leader Playbook Podcast. In this episode, we're going to uncover how the massive layoffs in tech are impacting company culture and what you can do to take advantage of the tech giants letting go of top talent. Avidas Intakleon is the founder of HireCloud, the premier technology recruiting and consulting firm. Avidas is implementing hiring and employer retention strategies that is allowing HireCloud to continue to grow despite a possible recession. Let's jump in. We're chatting about tech layoffs and how they damage company culture. And you actually wrote an article for Inc. And it's titled five reasons why you should not lay off your team and two reasons why you should. And I think this is an important conversation to have just because at the top of this year in January alone, Google alone, they laid off. Let's see, I have the stat here. 12,000 people. Tech layoffs are happening throughout the industry. They're going rampant. So let's dive into it. One of the reasons that you mentioned why you shouldn't lay off your employees is you worked hard to hire a great team. Why is retaining talent important even when times are kind of rough as they are right now? Great question as always. I think Google was one of many companies that laid off approximately 8% of their staff, right? One to 8%, which represents hundreds of thousands of employees just, just at those fang companies. The first topic that you said is you worked so hard to hire a great team, right? So hard. It's not what people think. You don't post the job, get a bunch of applicants, pick amongst the amazing applicants, hire them. Forget Google, forget these companies, but companies for years have to create a good company culture. They have to maintain that company culture. They have to maintain that balance. They have to not just fire employees that they find out aren't doing what they're supposed to do. They provide better and better benefits each year. They have beautiful offices. They provide so much they use technology and tools. They use recruiting firms like ours to hire, you know, to attract and hire these amazing people. Recruit them away from their current jobs. That's a big responsibility, right? You don't just, these people aren't like begging for jobs out there, homeless, looking for a, a place to work, right? A lot of these folks already have great jobs. And through recruiting firms like us, headhunting firms that actually go and look for great people that are working and buried in excellence. And our job is to try to find something more attractive to solve some of those problems that they're facing. Maybe they're stopped growing. Maybe their compensation isn't as good as it should be. Maybe they don't have the right balance between work, work and their family lives. Whatever it may be, potentially that they, they left this, this good job for something better. And companies work really hard to get them. So just to just let them go, to me, I think is a little bit of a cop out. And it's usually done because these huge companies are not able to actually properly manage their people. So they take every opportunity they can get to just just to let, lay people off because there's less issues with it than, than doing performance management and actually letting go of the lowest performers. Instead, they just across the board will lay off thousands of people. Man, that is brutal. What are the short-term and long-term effects to the company's culture too? Because I imagine in the short term, everybody is riddled with anxiety. I might be next. Yep. Something's going to happen to my job. I feel insecure about my job now. But the long-term effects, how does that play into it too? Seeing firsthand, when you, lay, when you terminate employees that are not performing or are not happy, 
it's actually pretty obvious to the rest of the organization. So there's not a ton of anxiety because people know, look, I'm a performer. That person was not. Yeah. I work my butt off. I know for a fact that person did not work at all. Usually the, 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 the feedback you hear is, Nicholas, what took you so long? Well, what do you mean? Mm. Why didn't you let that person go months ago? They, you know they haven't been working for months. You know they've been actively sabotaging projects and talking about their company. and, and that's, Those aren't as painful for company morale. However, like you said, if you just lay off hundreds of people or whatever percentage it is, right? So in my company, it might just be a few uh, if it's a layoff. At a bigger company, it might be hundreds, tens, whatever, thousands at bigger companies. But what it does create is that anxiety you talked about. So all of a sudden, I'm not sure if my company's stable because they're laying people off. Why? Am I next, like you said? So what it does, it just creates more turnover and it creates the turnover you don't want. Right. So, yes, you think as a company, you've laid off your bottom 8% or 5%, 10%, whatever it is. But really, the others are taking note of one, how you treated them, two, that they might be next, and they start looking for jobs. So, you do end up losing some of your A and B players along the way as you're trying to trim the fat to try and get rid of your lowest performers. So, short term, right off the bat, you are going to lose some great people, you're going to lose some of their motivation. You're going to lose their engagement. Now, all of a sudden, the vision you had and a lot of things you might have promised along the way as marketing collateral to attract more people was BS, right? So it was mm. a, it's a contradiction. And so long term, you lose that trust, that transparency. A lot of times these companies are unable to, and I can't blame them because of all the lawsuits. They're unable to be fully transparent of why things went down. And so it does create anxiety because if I don't know what you're saying is the truth and I don't trust you, then I've lost, I've lost some of that trust for you. And that's very difficult to gain. So a lot of times people just go and start over somewhere else, right? Uh, as far as recruiting goes, let's talk about when this thing turns around, do you think people are going to be as excited to work at Facebook, Microsoft, Google? No, because they saw how quickly they got rid of 8% of their staff, tens of thousands of people who had, this isn't a joke for them, right? These are this, these people make an income to feed their kids and they've built a lifestyle based on those ridiculous compensation packages that these companies offer to handcuff you. So all of a sudden, these people are out of work and you might think, wow, they make hundreds of thousands <laughs> of dollars. I don't want to hear it, right? Well, yeah, and now those are the expectations they have from the next employer. So you've actually set them up to fail in a bigger way because now they're going to take half the income potentially at a new company who may have to have them work harder for less money. So do you think they're going to be motivated? you think they're going to be excited? Do you think they're going to give it their all? Probably not. So now we're potentially creating a circle of them not working as hard and, and potentially getting laid off again, right? So recruiting great people will be much more challenging for these companies long term. And loyalty is not a thing anymore on either side. True. So as soon as they get a little more money from another fan company, they're gone, right? And, and frankly, to me, my word is my bond. So if I tell my employees there will be no layoffs, there's no layoffs, period. That doesn't mean people won't be terminated, right? Some people just don't belong in the business, don't belong in that company, don't like it or miserable. You have to help them move on. But just a, just a straight layoff, I don't think it's a great idea. Unless you've completely given up on a product or a department, then, then you've got to make those decisions. That's tough. Let's dive into some more of the weeds of, because I like what you're saying, how there's expectations that are going to be hard to meet 
when somebody leaves a big tech company, they were used to a specific amount of compensation for a specific amount of work. And now there's probably smaller or maybe medium-sized companies that might be able to take advantage of hiring top talent, but having those expectations be aligned is might be a little more difficult. So how can smaller companies in the tech industry take advantage of these massive layoffs? They can hire while you know the tech giants are sleeping, as I wrote in another article you might have read. They can potentially hire some of those folks that thought the fang companies were glamorous and amazing and they went there and they found themselves very unmotivated, underutilized and basically it used those years at, at, a, at a Facebook or a Google or whatever to kind of fuel up financially so they can go do real work at a smaller or medium-sized company. So there is opportunity there. The challenge is a lot of these, these companies won't take the risk on hiring some of these, these folks from the bigger companies because, frankly, they don't want to hear every day that, oh, your benefits aren't as good as the other companies, or yeah, your equity is not worth as much, or oh, we don't have RSUs, oh, you don't, you know, you don't, I can't work from home Free every coffee day, in the or break I don't room. get the, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, stuff like that, right? Some of these companies just can't provide that. What they can provide is stability, they can provide real work, they can hopefully provide real attention, and, and hopefully the work that they're doing is more impactful. But again, it's, it's difficult to leave that lavish lifestyle to go now work at a smaller company where you may not get those things and you can't hide. Mm. Remember, at smaller companies, you can't hide. You have to work. You know, it's, it's pretty obvious what, what's happening, what's getting done and what's not. And so that's, that's kind of a, almost a wake-up call. Also, more importantly, at a big company, Nicholas, you, you know, these folks work on a very, very small piece of a massive product that's worked on by thousands of people. So the work they're doing is very isolated versus working at a smaller or bigger company where you kind of own a piece of whatever you're doing. Whether you're a right. software engineer working on a platform that's literally you are the one building it, or you're a salesperson having to sell a real service offering, not just a name, uh, or, or whatever you are, you're in finance and you actually have real responsibilities to make very difficult decisions versus at a bigger company, you have 18 layers protecting you and also kind of keeping you from doing anything impactful. I think these are all my opinions, but, um, so it, it is definitely challenging for both sides and it's a risk for both sides. Yeah. I mean, it definitely makes sense. And the not hiding part is so crucial too. I'm curious how can these smaller size companies curate a competitive package? Because like you're mentioning, if you say in your post, hey, you'll do real work here. That's like kind of hard to like formulate in terms of like creating a competitive package as to where these big companies, like you mentioned, do have all those other things. What would you say like a good process might be for being competitive in that hiring process? I think you have to be, first of all, honest with what you can and cannot provide. And you have to find alignment. I don't necessarily believe you should flex and think differently and do change your comp structure to get somebody out of, out of Google. Because I think long-term, if that person really ended up out of Google and they were happy, they're most likely going to, they're coming out of the cold. So let's be honest, right? So they're, they're leaving these huge companies to come work for you because they need a job. But as soon as they realize like, wow, I got to work really, 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 really hard 
and for again, potentially for less, they might go back when the market turns. And that's that's a fear that I would have, and that's a that's a concern that most companies I think share. For me, it's a little different, right? So so my recruiters don't make a huge base salary, but the the upside is massive. Versus if they worked at one of these companies, they might have a more cushy base salary, but little to no upside. And if that's what they want, I'm actually not interested in them. See what I mean? Mm. So I'm not going to stretch to meet what they have. I'm going to educate them with what potentially how they would fit in here. And if our if both of our goals is upside, then they could absolutely do this here. They can double or triple their income, but they have to earn it. It's a little bit different. They have to really, really earn it. So I think what small companies do, and actually the big ones do it too, is they have a uh, low guarantee, high upside. Uh, and so potentially that can be nice. So if you're a startup company with real equity and a real vision, a real product market fit, potentially I can sell you, Nicholas, on coming to work for a tech company that we represent because this company in two to four years could have a massive exit. And since you're one of the first 40 employees, maybe your equity could be worth a million dollars. So there's some upside there. Or it's big bonuses based on big milestones. Right, private equity firms have a really interesting way that they compensate people. Is if they exit two x, they get a bonus this large. If they three you x, know, it's this much. If it's four x, it's huge. So there's ways to do it. But before trying to make up for the compensation, I think that's overcompensating. Frankly, is focusing on what you could actually provide. I can provide you mentorship, coaching, one-on-ones, real feedback, ongoing uh, professional development, hopefully a route to direct impact. You can see your work making an impact on people's lives versus massive company where you're a number. Yeah, absolutely. But I would not overcompensate. Whether I'm talking to companies that are hiring or myself, it's, you've got to keep it really organic. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself kind of swimming upstream. And, and it's all temporary, right? They're, again, they're coming out of the cold. You're expecting something from them that doesn't exist. I actually like that a lot because it almost, I could see the metaphor of, you don't want to be one student in a classroom full of 150 people. It's better to be one student in a classroom of six people. So I do think that it is a big yeah. advantage of saying, hey, we're actually going to be able to work with you and we're actually going to know your name and you're not going to be referred to by the number on your ID badge you can actually build something for you. Something that came up earlier that I also want to touch on slightly is the timing of letting go and hiring. These big companies are laying off a bunch, but if they we're able to see maybe this is only a two month chink in the armor and retaining the employees might be the better move, understanding the give and take on that side as well, because part of this does seem like timing. And I bring that up because it might be better to go against the grain of what these big companies are doing. How does timing and wanting to retain your employees make sense when a recession might be looming? Wow, really insightful question. And I think uh, I might have uh, spoken to this in one of those articles, but I agree. If you could, and no one can time the market, no one can time the market, but if you can at all predict how long your struggles will last, then potentially you can buy time. You could buy time by making uh, sacrifices yourself to because you see you see the kind of the light at the end of the tunnel, right? Uh, one, but you have to be in position to do that. If you think this will last nine months to a year, have you set aside enough income, enough profits in the bank, enough cash in the bank to withstand a year of losing income? If you have one year of operational expenses 
put aside. Now you're not making short-term decisions. You're making really good long-term decisions based on what you believe. If you don't believe in your product or service or your team, then this is not even a topic to, to, to talk about, right? If you don't love some of the people in your business, meaning not love from a human perspective, but they do, you don't love the work that they're doing and they don't love what they're doing, there's zero point to waiting, right? It's opposite. Mm -hmm. This should really encourage you to, to make tough decisions. But if you see, hey, man, I've worked so hard to hire these people. They were the right people in the right seats. I've just trained, I just spent a year and a half of my life training them, developing them, retaining them, dealing with their ups and downs, them dealing with my ups and downs. And I could withstand that as an employer that I'm going to, because I believe in what we're doing. I believe in my vision. They believe in our vision. We're aligned and neither one of us are coming out of the cold, meaning I'm not... You're not only here because the market sucks and you're going to stick it out until you don't. And I'm not just mm -hmm. keeping you because I need bodies in the seat, right? We all believe in each other. We're aligned. Then, then we make sacrifices. This is not a necessarily a public thing, but we might as well be. You know, my partner and I, my uh, you know business partner Jeff and I, have decided not to take an income this year until you know things turn around. Leaders eat last. Uh, you and I could do an entire session on that, frankly. But for me, we're heavy. So if we're going to just pay ourselves and and take all the, the the cash out or the profits from last year then it's risky right then then in six months nine months or a year if you start if your cash starts dwindling down then you start making decisions that aren't are based on fear or based on actual need to to do it versus good business decision if you could weather the storm then you should do it but you should only do it with the right people and in the right business so if it's a product that's a that's a dog kill it, move on, right? Just move on. If you've got employees that are not aligned, that they're not happy, that they don't, they're not right for the job, no, let's, let's move on. But you've got the right folks in the right seat and you believe in your systems, your people, your operations, your business, your product, and you could weather the storm, weather the storm, then do it. Just do it smartly. I love the leaders eat last line. And something that I've been thinking about recently and heard recently is that the point of the game is to be able to keep playing the game. Mm -hmm. So the moment that you don't make a decision like that, when you know you have the capability to, the game might stop. And that's the worst thing that could happen. Absolutely. Really smart. It's really smart. Yeah. If you don't have the ball, there's no game to be played. <laughs> that's true. Is there anything else we haven't touched on in, in the recruiting realm before we do a big send off? I think the key here is, again, knowing what you have and don't have. Do an inventory of what you believe in. What are your assets? Look at the tools. Try to start with getting rid of things versus people, if you can. If we all look at it, every, every person has probably three, four, five subscriptions that they don't use. Imagine a company. We found probably 15 different subscription products that we really don't use often that in itself it was like not even noticeable, 100, 200, $300 a month. When you start adding them up, you go, my God, I could save two people's jobs by getting rid of these unnecessary tools. So start with stuff like that, right? Do you have, you have offices that no one goes into because it's just a luxury for them to stop in when they feel like it? Get rid of those offices. Don't get rid of people. If you were going to expand, like we, we planned on, Nicholas, you've been here physically, but behind these walls, there's an office that, you know, frankly, I had my, my eyes on and I wanted to get, but it just isn't the right timing. So I could put that off a little bit. You know, there's a small risk that office will be gone and I won't be able to get it. But I'd much rather not get the office I need versus 
making short-term dumb decisions and getting rid of people that may be struggling right now, but long-term are going to be great for us. That makes a lot of sense. Assets can come and go, but you want people to stay. People first decisions all the time, I think. Focus on your people, be transparent, right? Communicate what you're thinking with your staff. They're people, they're smart, they have ideas, they need to know what's coming. And I've been able to, through radical candor and transparency, been able to, to keep my ship sailing in the right direction. I think our folks are, are very, you know, very happy. Hopefully they're in it for their long ride. And if they are, then, then it's an easy decision for me. Same goes to, to a lot of our clients. They're hopefully making the right decisions, thinking about the long-term effect, impact that they're going to make on people's life, both positively and negatively. And they should be very, very smart about those decisions. Thank you for being here, Nicholas, as always, keeping me focused. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Look forward to the next one. In this episode, we uncovered how tech layoffs are impacting company culture and what you can do to take advantage of tech giants laying off top tier talent. Tune into episode three, where we unpack how AI is disrupting tech recruiting. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening. New uploads every Wednesday at 6 a.m. We'll see you in the next episode.